The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the Northeast. Reserve a table today on 0191213 or visit casasanlorenzo.co.uk. Newcastle Fans TV. Hello, everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. We are at Casa San Lorenzo. Well, we were. We were. We're not now. What we're going to say in introductions. <laughs> we were at Casa San Lorenzo for a fantastic episode with an entertainer, Mr. Mona. Yeah, it was really good. It, it, it was a matter of time before we went to Casa San for a... Uh, Lovely, lovely afternoon, wasn't it? Um, we're doing this about 10 days after um, said event. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a great weekend culminating in a 1-0 win over Chelsea and a thrilling conversation, which you're about to hear with Lee Clark, who's just just great company. He was really, really good company. Um, the, the, the detail that he puts into his answers... Is something that I, I really, really like, really, really appreciate because that's the sort of interview you want. The best interviews, Sam, without any disrespect, you don't want to hear me and you. Correct. You hear the guests. And no, that, I don't want to hear that, that's, the, that's the best interviews. You just kind of come with the odd line, if you like, and let the guests do the talking for you. And um, yeah, Lee goes into a lot of great detail on a lot of different subjects, but it's safe to say that. The fire inside is absolutely loving every single second of what we're, what we're going through right now. Oh, God, yeah. Absolute mom. Uh, it's a great time. And we spoke to Lee about lots of things, comparisons drawn, obviously, with his era that he played for his first time around. Um, the entertainers and similarities between Keegan and Howe and the, and the great debate of uh, Rob Lee versus Bruno. So all of that's to come. And, uh, yeah, it was a really, really great day. And, and the staff at Casa San Lorenzo were very, very welcoming, very um, hospitable and uh, wonderful. So uh, we cannot encourage you enough to uh, head on down there if you're in the northeast. Yeah, get yourself uh, here in the Gossip area, right down Gossip High Street, right in the middle. Can't miss it. Casa San Lorenzo, make sure you get there. for some fantastic food and drink options. Um You've talked a lot about particular things that we talk about with Lee, but I think we should just briefly mention the fact that his son, Bobby, Bobby uh, Clark, plays for Liverpool. And you, you, I think it was you that asked the question about Bobby and you know the whole academy. It, everything seems to be changing in the right direction now, and you just hope that Bobby hasn't had that hasn't missed that opportunity with Newcastle. I still think you can kind of tell when talking to Lee, there's still that dream that. Maybe we might see Bobby in a Newcastle shirt down the line. Yeah, um, we do go quite in depth on this. So the academy's going to take time, isn't it? Because it was um, years and years, years and years behind where it should be because of the last ownership. You know, we all know the story now. Um, so it's going to take time to catch up. Bobby's done the right thing in moving, didn't he? Let's face it. Um, you'd have been mad to have turned down Liverpool at that time um, to stay with us, but. Hopefully one day he can come back and 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 I think Lee has that hope as well, doesn't he? Because um, I, I don't know whether they will be the first father and son to to have played for Newcastle. We we'll have to check up on that. That'd be a one hell of a stat. 
be great uh, pub quiz question, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's top of my head. There's no one that I'm thinking of. But obviously, we've had brothers like Cholo and Sammy Amiobi. Yeah, the Rublindos. Um, um, I don't know. Get your get your answers in to info yeah. at newcastlefanstv.com. Um, yeah, email us, tell us, because I can't. I certainly can't think off the top of my head if there's been a father and son before. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's been a father and son, by the way. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know if they both play for Newcastle. Um, no, it'll yeah. be interesting. It'll be interesting. Like I say, not even management. Like I can't even think of any managers. Like father and son, like managers or coaches or whatever. I think the closest I can think of is the former Newcastle manager when he took his son to West Bromwich Albion. Well, Kenny and Paul, but Kenny never played for us, did he? So. Yeah, it's a good shout as well. Uh, it's a good shout. Yeah. Mm. I've just, sorry, I've just, I'm doing this in my own flat, right? I swear I've just seen my dad, and my dad was, was away this weekend, and I've been told that he wasn't coming back until this afternoon, so that's completely threw, threw me away. <laughs> sorry about this, everybody. I was like, is that my dad? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> these, these again, these are the things you do with gear or see. Um but yeah, in all seriousness, um yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um we're talking about January, of course, and that is gonna be a huge month for for Newcastle for a lot of reasons, as we are now in the international break for the World Cup. We're recording this on this day that England take on Iran. Um I'll take the World Cup thought in a second because I think it would be rude not to talk about it for a couple of minutes. Oh, let's be rude. We don't have to talk about the World Cup. <laughs> I was going to say, in terms of a Newcastle point of view, best or worst time for this break? And because Newcastle have done so well, do you think they'll change their plans going into January? I think it's come at a terrible time. I really do. And just like... Isak's nearly fit and coming back, we'd have had him. Max is nearly fully fit, so we would have had. We're on a great run of form, and players are coming back from injury, so we would have had more or less a fully fit squad. The injuries we would have been carrying weren't for first team regulars, so I think it's come at a terrible time. I really do. Um, do you think we're tired towards the end of games, though? Like, I, I, I thought we were tired against. Uh, Crystal Palace in the cup and were tired against Chelsea. Yes, we got the wins and fair play to the players. But do you not think they kind of? I think even if it was, if, if it was like a normal two week international break, I, I think Newcastle fans could have coped with that considering yeah. the fact they played a lot of games. Yeah, but the thing is, our key players are still going away and and playing in a tournament. So of course we were tiring towards the end of games. You tried running around at such an intensity for ninety minutes and uh, not when did, you do, when did you when did you last run? When did I last run? What? Um, any sort of distance or? More than, more than 200. Oh, probably about 2006. When the World Cup was held in? Germany. Get in. <laughs> no, I, I get your point, Sam. I think, I think look, you, you know, when you take 22 points from the last 24 available, it's certainly momentum is with you momentum is a really really key word in football if you can if you can get that momentum you certainly can um you just think by the time we come back like we're not gonna have we're not gonna like brazil are probably gonna win the world cup or at least have a a a very good run in it and you think well we're just not gonna have bruno for the first couple we we might not have bruno till like january yeah but we'll see we'll see what it's like we'll see how uh 
we'll see what happens with the World Cup. Just briefly on England. Um, there's obviously a lot of controversy on this World Cup in Qatar, which I don't know. Oh, I don't want to whether... talk about that. It's just, no, 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 no. It's just I'll, I'll, an I'll, absolute I'll... cluster F. It really is. And it's just come at a rubbish time. But, you know. I was, all I was going to say is, what do you make of a Winter World Cup? I hate it. And where, and where do you think England will get to? Uh, I hate it. Quarterfinal. Quarterfinal? Yes. Do you think, do you think they can win it? No. Don't have don't have the defence apart from Trippier to to win a World Cup. I think Dan Burns should have been there, but that's a different story altogether. I think England could actually win it. No, because you you do get a note. You look at two thousand eighteen. There was a couple of shocks in terms of being getting to the semi final. I do think they need a little bit of luck on the side, but I just hope Chu Bergen gets unleashed. I would love to see him in a Newcastle shirt, but I mean the only chance <laughs> of that happening is if Newcastle if Newcastle can get into the Champions League this year, which I said at the start of the season is about a five percent chance at best. I'm saying somewhere between 15 and 20% now, but... Oh, I think there's more than that. Do you? Well, yeah, we're in there. We've got a good, healthy amount of points. I think our bubble will burst eventually. It's not going to keep going all season, is it? But, you know, it's been a fantastic start to the season, which is what we've been lacking for so long. So, I don't know, we'll see. First few games after Christmas are crucial because they're not easy. Like Leicester Boxing Day, Leicester have got their act together now, so it's a tricky place to go. Um... Imagine the cup Yeah, we got the cup game, but I'm thinking more league for the argument of of fourth place. That league game is uh, that league cup game is a biggie though. We want a cup run, so Bournemouth at home wasn't overly convincing in the in the league, was it? So it, it, it's not going to be uh, easy. And then we've got we've got to go to Arsenal as well in the new year, um, just after we play Leeds at home. So. It's it's going to be tough. It, it we'll we'll know by the end of January what we're what we're going for, won't we? Whether it is yeah, top yeah. four or just to consolidate sixth or seventh. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Wait and see. You might see somebody in Newcastle shirt who Lee Clark talks about. I think that's about time we get this show up and running. So this is the Greenwood and Morning Show, and it's at Casa San Lorenzo, and it's with the entertainer that is Lee Clark. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV. Everyone, welcome back to Newcastle Fans TV. It's a Greenwood and Mulliner Show special today here at our sponsor, Casa San Lorenzo in Gosford. Me and Sam are here, and as you can see, we are with the former Newcastle legend, the entertainer, Lee Clark. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, guys. Delighted to be on. Uh, Sam, we're yes. at Casa San Lorenzo we before are. we get into this interview. It's uh, brilliant to be here, isn't it? The finest Italian cuisine in the northeast. It's a lovely little setting, isn't it? So uh, it's great to be here with an entertainer and welcoming Lee back onto the show. What have you made of just what's happened since the last time you've been on? We've had different owners. We're pretty mint at the moment. What a, what a transformation. For a fan now, because that's where I am. I'm back to being a fan in these days and... You know, enjoying the, being in the city centre before the game and then going to the games and the atmosphere is unbelievable before the games with the war flags scenario and stuff like that. But And then the team are just playing absolutely brilliant. Every single player, the the manager's got them all playing. And, and, and a big thing for me, what I like is a lot of the players who was, were here already have been bought before the, the, the two transfer windows we've had under Eddie Howe. They've improved so much as well, and they've shown that they just wanted a little bit of help. They wanted good players with them. They wanted to be coached. 
and uh, they've risen to the challenge and I get excited, you know, I look obviously through a professional eyes as well, but I still look through my fans' eyes, but I see the, the standard of the quality of player on the bench and that's what gives me a lot of hope because the manager and his staff can make tactical changes or they can have to make a change for an injury or whatever, but they're not weakening the team. We've got, you know, real strength and depth and uh, hopefully after the World Cup, we'll, we'll see all the players are together when they're all fit because... There's been one or two injuries where we haven't been able to choose from the full squad um, and that'll give her a great chance but I love watching the football, um, the passion, the desire of the players, they're playing on the front foot. I, like I say, I think all of them are playing full of confidence, they're showing their true abilities and uh, playing some exciting football So and scoring lots and lots of goals so it's a great time you wouldn't have thought. Just over a year ago, when the new ownership group come in, I mean, before that, it was just repetitive boredom, yeah, wasn't it? Really, right. there was it was only because of the loyalty of the fans that you know they stayed and watched it. It was because Newcastle United's their club, they love the club, and that's the only reason they stuck by. But thankfully, their their loyalty's been rewarded now. Um, because I think it's it's funny now. I, I keep getting these requests off people to see if I can get them any tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's like back in the day when I was there, and, you know, there was thousands waiting on lists to get into the stadium. So those fans that have been loyal and went through, you know, them ups and downs, mainly a lot of downs, and uh, they stuck by the club and the team. They're getting their awards now. So and um, and I can only get better because. You know, as I said, things will keep improving with a, a coach who's, who's come in and done brilliant. I mean, there was some question marks against him from people who didn't know a lot about him. I was lucky enough I've come up against him in management before I've managed against his teams. And I know he's a terrific uh, coach. He, he coaches the players himself as well as he's got good staff. But he also gets his team playing in an exciting way and he takes risks and... Sometimes they may come unstuck, but that's his philosophy, and uh, I think the fans are enjoying it. When you, you obviously mentioned that you had, when you're probably Birmingham manager in particular, when you took on Eddie, an Eddie Howe Bournemouth team, what was your plan going into that? Because I think we've obviously seen, obviously seen the improvement of Eddie Howe, obviously since he's taken that year out right, when he left Bournemouth to go to obviously go to Newcastle. How did you try to beat an Eddie Howe side? How difficult was it? We went tour to tour with each other. <laughs> um, the big one between me and him was the playoff semi-final Bournemouth v Huddersfield and um, there was penalties being saved in normal time in the first leg by Ian Bennett for my team and I think it ended up 1-1 and then we came down to Huddersfield and ended up being 3-3 and went I think 10-9 I think we eventually beat them on penalties so it was just like a ding-dong really it was like a boxing match we wanted to attack we had so many great attacking players they did that was his philosophy um, what I've always took from Eddie's teams he likes them to be on the front foot he likes them to play intense football with and without the ball and he likes to have in attacking areas speed, pace to, to get in behind you and I think that's where you've seen the improvements of uh, you know obviously the signing of Callum Wilson was always an exciting signing but you know he seems to be getting the best out of St Maximum when he plays he's had some of his best games for Newcastle under Eddie I mean uh, Miguel Almiron is just playing phenomenal football. The best. His attitude was never in question when he first arrived, but it was always talked about his end product. He's produced that now, both in assists and goals. 
rightly so, become player of the month and got goal of the month. I mean, he could have got first, second and third place, to be <laughs> honest with you. So, um, and other players, you know, I mean, you know, there's been criticisms of young Jacob Murphy. I've worked with Jacob, I had him on loan at Blackpool. Criticisms of sometimes his player, but I think he, even him in the last few weeks, come to the fore and produce some real good performances, strong performances, whether that's starting the game or coming off the bench. I think he's reinvented Sean Longstaff again. Yeah. Sean hit the little, come on the scene and, and made a big uh, statement when he first came on the scene, then hit the buff as a little bit, which happens with a lot of young players. But uh, now, you know, you can tell he's been coached, he's been tactically coached, he understands the, the tactics of the game without the ball. And he's one of those players that sometimes goes a little bit under the radar in terms of, because a lot of the things he does isn't like, you know, like a, a, a curling shot into the top corner or a slide rule pass where he's, he's just keeping the game ticking over for Newcastle. He keeps the movements going and he, his work ethic is great. He breaks up the play of opponents. And, uh, but they're just some... I think if you looked at every player, there's probably improvement being made in all of them. And that's, you know, down to the players and the recruitment and the, the good players that have been brought in to help them. But also that's down to the Eddie and his staff for their coaching capabilities. And like I say, you know, I've, I've always known he was a, was a good coach. And I was, I, I thought it was a good appointment. It's easy for me to say now a year later. But, I, you know, if anyone, if you speak to anybody I was talking to when he was appointed, I was like, yeah, I think it's a good one. Did I think it would turn out like this in a year, within just a year? Absolutely not. I don't think Eddie in his wildest dreams thought, you know, we'd get a result today against Chelsea and we're going to Christmas and third top. If you had said that any Newcastle fan a year ago, you would have been carted off to the asylum, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, uh, I never stood outside Molyneux after losing the last game before the takeover, accepting relegation. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think um, the whole mentality of the fans before the takeover happened was fourth bottom, fourth bottom. And what's that to look forward to? Do you know what I mean? It's just, honestly, it's... Because you know you're going to go, get put through the mill if, if, if all your aim is fourth bottom. And I didn't... I'm not saying that's... The fans shouldn't have been like that. They, that they'd been told from the leadership group. That had been told from the owner. And if the owner's saying that, why should everyone else has to, to go along? Because you're obviously not doing anything to, to prevent that not happening. Sometimes you come unstuck, like we did twice under his leadership got relegated but now it's 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 going to the game home or away nothing changes we're going to take whichever team we play you know the only defeat so far in the in the league was at Anfield and you know that was down to some controversial refereeing decisions and 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 it was a, a great performance and so yeah it's there's so much to look forward to and it's a real buzz I think people are getting no obviously I can't talk about what used to go on in the city centre before my era because obviously I was prepping for the game contrary to what maybe some other people would say <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know but now I'm getting a feel for it as being a fan and going into the city centre like it you know like two three hours before the game and you can see everyone's laughing and joking smiling looking forward to the game what do you think the scoreline will be what do you think the team's going to be there's a debate on the team because obviously as we talked about earlier there's so many good players to choose from so yeah it's and it's just a great buzz and and I, and I, and I can sense this togetherness is helping so many people from the ownership group to the fans to the players and the staff they're all in it together and when the when the odd blip will happen 
it doesn't matter. We're going. To, we're on an upward trajectory at the moment. It's going to keep going like that. But you will have a, a blip in the road. That's normal in professional sport. There'll be no issues. There'll be no issues from the fans. There'll be no issues from the ownership group. There'll be no issues from the management, the team. They'll get on and they'll understand why maybe it's that blip happening in terms of a loss or whatever. And uh, they'll just keep going because that relationship is, is fundamental and is brilliant at the moment. And that's why the success has been driven by everybody. With, with Eddie Howe's philosophy, can you see similarities between himself and Kevin Keegan first time round? Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. I can see because he... I get the impression Eddie respects the opponent but never fears them and that was always Kevin's mentality. You always have to respect your opponent whether that's the top team in the league or whether you're playing in a cup tie against a lower league opposition, you always respect them. But you never fear them, you never, you know, the game's changing massively in terms of the tactics etc. You can see that when you go to watch these young players playing in academy football. The, the, the age groups they are, you see some of these 10, 11, 12 year old kids and they're so tactically aware of the game now and it's changed massively but you know when we played under Kevin we very rarely uh, spoke about the opponent, it was if we got our game right we'd win yeah. nine times out of ten um, and, and, and that was the case, it, it didn't matter what we, if we stopped the opponent but we weren't very good ourselves with the ball, with the ball we probably wouldn't win the game so you know and we were just talking off air, weren't we? We were talking when we took on some of the big boys over the previous few years before this takeover happened and we used to go and play with this, what they call the, the lower block now, which is basically just getting everyone in their own half, letting the opposition have the ball. But majority of those games, when we played that system, uh, our goalkeepers would become, were the man of the matches for us. And we were still conceding high numbers of goals. But now Eddie is a manager who's like, no, I respect them, but we're not going to fear them. We're going to take them on and see. We're going to ask them some questions and see how they respond. Because, um, you know, when you're one of these top teams, when you're like, we give Manchester City, for example, most teams against Manchester City go in with the thought of damage limitation, come and nick a point. And when you have that mentality and you're playing so deep, you're not really asking them any questions. And when you're coming up against world class players, it doesn't matter how tight the game is, they'll always come up with some bit of magic. To create something, no matter if you're playing the, deep, the you know the lower block as it's called. So, yeah, I think uh, his philosophy is is just perfectly in line with Newcastle fans. Newcastle fans want to see their team have a go. They want to see excitement, and he's he's playing with that, and that's very similar to very very similar to to, to to what Kevin. And what I like about Eddie, you know, you get you get some managers or head coaches who go into clubs and they're very negative about the success of previous managers and they don't want to talk about it. They talk about it, oh, this is a new era. Um, there's one example of, of, of someone we, we know quite close at Newcastle United. When I say we, I mean us as fans because he, he worked for the club, but I won't name his name, but he went to manage Nottingham Forest and he, he told everyone to get rid of all the uh, pictures around the stadium and the training ground of the Brian Clough era. And uh, that was probably one of the worst decisions any manager could make because Brian Clough made Nottingham Forest. That club is built on Brian Clough, and you've got to you've got to uh, embrace the, the the history of the club that you're managing and the success that previous players and managers have had. And uh, and, and Eddie seems to talk a lot about Kevin and the entertainers era, Bobby, Sir Bobby, and his era, and uh, he wants to be a part of that, if not better. He wants to do. What uh, 
the late great Joe Harvey done and be the next one to win that trophy. And I think he's got a magnificent opportunity to do it. Because I've always said the first guy who manages the team to that neck, that first bit of silverware since '69, he's he's going alongside Sir Bobby, uh, Sir Jackie Milburn, and Allen and getting that big statue um, at St James's Park. Probably should rather than just having the boost of uh, Joe Harvey at the other side of the Gallagher. Joe should have his statue there as well, in my opinion. Absolutely. You mentioned Sean Longstaff, and obviously, uh, Lee, you're a local lad. You know what it means to play for Newcastle, support Newcastle. Sean's form this season has been unbelievable. He's been, I'd, like, I'd probably call him the unsung hero of that midfield because mm-hmm. everyone will talk about Bruno and we'll mention Bruno later on. Joe Willock's yeah. been getting a lot more plaudits as well, scored last week against Southampton. But he, Sean Longstaff got man of the match last week against Southampton, and I just think he does all the running, which other midfielders won't do. Do you think he's finally deserving some plaudits and some credit for his performances this season? Absolutely, and like I just was, you've, t- you've just continued the point I was saying about Sean. He sometimes goes under the radar, and you'll always have players like that in successful teams. He doesn't crave the limelight. He's a local lad. He's living the dream. I've been there. I know him. Obviously, I took him to Kilmarnock. I have a close relationship with the family, with uh, Alan Thompson being his uncle. Me and Alan actually, when we were young Newcastle players, David would come and watch us play for Newcastle on the Saturday and we'd go down to Whitley Bay Ice Rink on the Sunday to, to watch him play and, and knock a few people out as well. It's a bit tough that ice hockey, wasn't it? So, so I've obviously got a, a strong connection with the family in any way. Um, I knew what a talented player he was because that, that spell I had him in his first time in a first team at Kilmarnock, which he'd done terrific for me up in Scotland. and. Um, yeah, I, 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 he's been a real. It's been a delight for me personally to see the the rejuvenation of him. You could say, he's, you can see he's, he's enjoying his football. You can see he's being coached because he is a very coachable player. He wants to stay out and do extra. He wants to understand the tactics of the game and what is required in his role and what's expected of him. And, and look, and Eddie, you know what? I spoke Eddie. He he always says he's he's got a real. You know, affection for him because of him being local, but his work ethic every day in training is just immense. And as he said, and you said it, he's 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 de- deserving of a place in a very very strong squad. There's there's other options there he could use in centre midfield if he wanted, but he's he's sticking with Sean and rightly so. You know, and he's doing brilliantly. And like you said, you mentioned Willick and you mentioned Bruno. They're all they all have different strengths which are combining together really really well. Um, and it's it, it's it's a great unit at the moment. It's working ever so well. Which most of the units, all the units in the team are. But they, when I, you know, me playing in that position, I look specifically at how that's working, and I think they're all complementing each other so well. Sticking with the midfield, we have to talk about Bruno. Two prong question: Just how immense has he been since he's come in? And this is a question I've wanted to ask an entertainer for a good long while. You can only pick one. Current Bruno or Prime Rob Lee? Who are you oh, having, my God. Who are you having in your team? Because <laughs> there's a debate. I called it very early on, didn't wow. I, Johnny? He's, he's the best midfielder I've seen play for Newcastle. And then you get debate flown up and, and Rob Lee's a name that's always oh. mentioned. It's, 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 uh, I, I apologise to put you in this position, but I, I really want to know. <laughs> So. Uh, so what was the first part of the question again? <laughs> yeah. let, let, the second bit's just completely through us. I'll have to have a think about that, but go on the first just, part. Just, what do I think of Bruno? Yeah. Well, it's 
I, I would look absolutely crazy if I said anything but being unbelievable. Being a player that's going to get legendary status at the football club, um, being done a complete disservice when, pe when he first came and people said he was a defensive midfield player. He's, he's an old-fashioned box-to-box midfield player. He can do everything. Yeah. He can defend and that means he can... You know, he's competitive in a, in a challenge, both on the ground and in the air. He gets around the pitch well, he's got great fitness levels, he's got good pace, he can see a pass, but also, more importantly, he can deliver the pass. He's got great vision uh, and he scores goals. He scores all kinds of goals, you know. He, he scores goals where he's making a long busting run to get in the box, i.e. the diving header he scored at St James's. And then he scores that goal last week against Southampton, which has got Brazilian finesse written all over it. A side footer from outside the box, bend it round the keeper. So, you know, he's. I I've obviously been asked many, many times if, you know, when you go through the different eras and the different teams and say, oh, which player, is there any players that could have gotten your uh, entertainer's team? Well, he certainly could, without a shadow of a doubt. That so might, Bruno over that, that that might, no, no, because <laughs> no, no, because there's more than one central midfield position. He might have just took my place off as to the air. Oh man, Rob Lee's a um, massive mate of mine, but he was forget being a mate. He was a sensational footballer. And when you talk about people changing, like the Joe Linton from a striker to a midfield player, you forget Rob Lee came as a right winger. Yeah. He'd played all his career for Charlton, been terrific at it. When he first came to us, he was terrific at it. But then when he went to centre midfield, it just went to a new level and, you know, became an England regular and one of the, the, the best, as you say, one of the best ever players to, to represent the club. So, oh, I'm, I'm just going to stick to me loyalty at the moment and say, <laughs> and say Rob, but Bruno isn't far behind and... Bruno would get in the entertainer's team, possibly ahead of me if I had an injury or whatever. But <laughs> no, I love him. I think he's absolutely sensational. And I, I, I love his passion for the club. Yeah. I love what he's about. And you know what? We want players who are going to attract uh, the super clubs because it means we've got top players. You know, that was the thing when I played with Ginola, you know, and he had this link to Barcelona. Um, when you're all playing with players who are getting linked to those clubs and you know it's right that they're getting linked, it's it's not just the media talking. You know you've got a superstar on your hands when he's super but he can see and he's he came at the start of it all, really, in the journey and he's been given this dream and the aspirations and the ambitions of these owners and I think he's genuine when he says he wants to stay and be a part of it. Now if for some whatever reason he begins begins to doubt that, then you know you lose him to one of the to the superpowers. But I I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to be one of the players who takes the club to to a, a new level and uh, you know can be that because these group of players the, probably don't realise what they're they're on the cusp of doing to be that first group of players since '69 to win a trophy. And that is just like for the size of a football club like ours is it's, it's horrible really when you think back it's 69 but it's a great opportunity for these lads what they're close they're very close to doing because got to have a great chance in cup football this year this team can take anyone on it you've got to have luck of course in cup football you've got to get home you always want a home draw and i think as long as we keep getting home draws, even if it's against other Premier League teams, I wouldn't be worried. You know, we just and I think this, you know, 
honestly, if I could sit in front of the players now, I would just tell them that they've got an unbelievable chance to do something that, you know, hasn't been done for so, so long. I think you can tell, like, the draw on Wednesday evening when Newcastle took, well, they're going to they're gonna play Bournemouth just before Christmas. You can tell that even the fans think, yeah, at home against Bournemouth, no disrespect to them. Good, obviously, a Premier League team, very good opposition, but you can tell there's that confidence there. Um, we've talked about Eddie Howe a lot in terms of how he's been fantastic as a coach. Do you think that like, we've almost got a coach on the pitch in Kieran Trippier because he just seems an absolute oh. leader? He seems a Rolls-Royce, if you like. I know his friend Botman gets called a Rolls-Royce by a lot of Newcastle fans, but... I, I can't. I don't know. I'm not very good with cars, but I don't know how, how do you describe, describe Kieran Trippier as a car? Because he just seems to be so good. Like, well, uh, you know, when it was talked about that he was coming, I doubted that move very, very much because I knew he was top class. And to, for us to get him from Atletico Madrid, and is it was it twelve million? Yeah. Rumored to be well, roughly twelve million pounds. Twelve million today's market. It's like. It's like a hundred grand from when I was playing. Do you know what I mean? Now that, that's the comparison, isn't it? If you look, because like if you think Alan was the world record then at fifteen million, so if you're taking it from those days, Kieran would be valued in about a hundred, two hundred thousand more. Because you're seeing players now going for seventies, eighties, ninety million, and we're getting an established international who's just gone over to La Liga and won La Liga with Atletico. Um, he's had a great. He had a great. He was part of a great era at Spurs. Um, you know, great uh, education at Burnley, and you know, and I, I was thinking he will surely we kind of get him for that price, but to come and join a relegation battle. And when we got him, I thought, wow, that that's a proper statement signing. And gotta say, he's even better than I thought. To be honest, even better than I thought. He's like. He's, in, he's such a, you say he's a leader, I can imagine him. He, and, and I think he can be a leader in lots of different ways. I think he can be a player who will give someone a little bit of a kick up the backside if they need it, but he's also a leader where he put an arm around somebody. I think he's, he's, he's like, you say it about managers, but I think his man management skills look to be fantastic where he's assessing the whole dressing room and whatever. Because there's four of us on this table now. We're all different personalities. And, you know, some might need a kick up the backside to respond. Others might need a little arm round them and give them a bit of confidence and all react differently. And I think he's assessing that. And uh, his quality of play in both defensive and uh, offensively is brilliant. Obviously, set players are, you know, to, that gives a, the team another string to explore when you've got set players like that. Um, and, no, he's, I've, he's been brilliant, but I've got to say it. You know, they talk about the, the R's when you're a head coach or a manager, results in recruitment. And Eddie's recruitment in the two windows he's had has been absolutely sensational. I don't think he's got one wrong. And when I say that, I mean, I mean, there's, there's different players have come in and done different jobs at different stages of, of the change. So that first group of players that came in in the January, their remit was keep this club in the Premier League. Whatever way we do it, just keep us in the Premier League. Because I think we all thought, and I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you'll probably agree, before that January window, there was a lot of fear that we were going down. Mm, and it was like, it, it was like, this can only happen in Newcastle. We get billionaire owners, a new ownership group, but we're going to have to start behind the eight ball because we're going to get relegated and we're going to have to start the rebuild in the championship. But those players that came in in the January reignited everybody that give 
they give the lads who were there. Because you know them lads who've kept fighting really, they get like the fans as well, you know, because they don't want to be doing that. They don't want to go in every day and they don't want to... It's horrible when you're down there, I've been down there and only in management terms, and it's it's horrible. You Every day you're just totally consumed because it's not just the relegation of the team and the team dropping down a league, it's the repercussions that happen behind the scenes to people. And most, most of the time, you know, when clubs have to... Re, we jig the clubs, say, for example, you know, people will lose their jobs if you go down. But it's the people who care about the club, the people in the offices who are like Newcastle United fans and they're not on a lot of, their salaries aren't high in comparison to the football and stuff, and that's fine, but they're the ones that usually get hit. So you have all this, and then obviously the fans, the fans, you don't want to, you know, get the club to go down because that group of players, galvanised everybody, they, gal they galvanised the current players that were there and they got everyone together, the, the fans could see a difference, you know, you know, and when I'm seeing certain players come in to do specific jobs, I'm, I'm like talking like a Chris Wood or something, you know, impossible for you to go and get um, like a Callum Wilson type strike in January, because one, no club in their right mind are selling a Callum Wilson in January. And if they do, there's going to be a ridiculous premium on his head. What Eddie went with Chris Wood, player who was a solid player, solid Premier League player, without being spectacular, and, and done a great job uh, at Burnley. And, you know, to be a good football team, you have to have a focal point, you have to have a striker. You know, I know Man City have tried the odd time with a false nine, but you're, you're talking about, you know, hopefully that, that can happen further down the line in Newcastle. But, you have to have a focal point and Chris give us that and give us a tenacity up top and a, a real it allowed other players to play off Chris. Now, you know, going forward, Chris will probably admit, you know, Callum will be ahead of him, Alexander Isaac will be ahead of him. I've got no doubt Eddie's probably looking at going again in the striking department. But if you're telling me Chris Wood will be a fourth choice striker sitting on the bench, Ten minutes to go, you meet, might need something a bit more direct to go and get a win or a, a draw, and you can get crosses in the box because he's a threat in the air. Why not? Definitely, I would I would take that all day. And, uh, but those players, you know, another player for me is, is really close to me is Dan Byrne. I took Dan to Birmingham City on loan, and he was fantastic for me. You know that, that group of loans I had four loans at the time, and. Uh, him, Jesse Lingard and Kyle Barkley, who was the centre-half at West Brom now, they were the, and Kyle and Dan were the big things. We needed two big, strong boys and a left-footed and a right-footed, and Dan was sensational. And the day they left, they got recalled by their clubs. We were one point out of the playoffs. It was, it was New Year's Day, and they got recalled on the same day to go back. And obviously I had no money to buy transfers, so I was always in the loan market. So I brought three new loans in, but they made the complete opposite impact to what those three lads. And we, that was the famous Bolton Wanderers when I ran oh, down the yeah. touchline and we staved off relegation. So we'd gone from there, and that just shows you the, the, the impact. And Dan was like, always knew. He was black and white through and through. His parents would come to the game and they're staunch black and white. So when he come and I see how well he's done, both at left-sided centre-half and left-back, it's... He must have been, surely he must have been in Gareth Southgate's thoughts, at least for the World Cup squad. I know he hasn't obviously got into it, but you know, you kinda you kinda show me a lot of other English centre backs stroke full back who's done better than and been more consistent than him over the last certainly year or whatever. 
So the, all these players, and even the summer window, obviously took it to a new level with Botman and people like that. Um, and obviously Bruno goes without saying, but no, I just think every single signing's worked and been a real positive one for us and um, and, and what they've done. And this, what, this is what happened with us. This is what happened, I can talk from a personal level, me being a local lad and a, and a young lad at the time. Every time Kevin made a signing, I had to make a leap as well. My performances, my training had to go higher, higher, higher. And this is what con continued to happen and this is what I'm looking at these players now. And they've done that, their, their level of performance. After the Villa game, I w had friends um, w with me at the match and uh, I took them down onto the pitch after the game, let them have an insight on from looking from the centre circle up and it's a different, obviously. And some of the players who hadn't been involved or had been on the bench or doing some training and I just made it uh, worth my while to just go over and speak to Jamel Lascelles and just say, listen, you do I know you're probably frustrated, you're not getting a lot of time, but from all the Newcastle fans, I want to thank you because it looks like you're being a brilliant captain yeah. off the pitch and you, 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 you're pushing people on. I've been there, he'd be hurting. He'd be, when you're working Monday to Friday, then the big thing you're working for on a Saturday, you're not getting, it's, it's real tough. But he showed fantastic leadership skills and there he is at the end of the game when the stadium's empty, there's nobody there. He's working, he's putting the work in that he's missed out on the game. So when Eddie does give him the call up, he's ready. And that's what they seem to be all be ready. None, none of them, when they get that chance or, or, or messing the chance up, they're, and they're giving the manager the problems that any manager wants. He wants, he wants selection issues. And, and that's the toughest part. If, if you've got a group of players who are all doing very well and you can only pick 11, when they come knocking on your door, you've got to tell them that I'm, I can't, you're not not in the team because you're not playing well. It's just because I can only pick eleven yeah. players, and, and just be ready when you get your chance. Just be ready, and then it'll be your chance to stay in the team. And someone else will have to find a way to get back in. And nah, it's, I think there's so much positivity about the football club. So you know, I'm just keep keep it going, keep it going. To pick on uh, to pick up on something you were mentioning uh, earlier about a player that you've worked with, Jesse Lingard. Are you surprised about how his career's turned out? Because he could have joined us, he chose not to. He had that great revival at West Ham, but then didn't really kick on and do anything. Now he's at Nottingham Forest for essentially the money. Let's face it. Are you surprised how it's turned out for him? Um, I'm. I am a little bit, I am, and I'm not in another way, I mean, obviously I know him personally, so I know some of the situations and the issues that off the field with one of his younger family members is not very well and that was a big part of him not wanting to move too far away from the family. Um, I was really excited when I thought he had a chance of signing him. Because when he's on top of his game, he can be a sensational young footballer in terms of making and scoring goals. Um, he's went to a club that have done something unbelievably un unique in how they've went about that business. What was it? Is it 24? Right, 23, 24, 24 new players, which is... I don't know how Steve... I mean, I've, I've never met Steve Cooper. I've met his father, who refereed as many times, Keith. Um, but... Um, he looks, what I've heard about him from people, he's, he's a, meant to be a terrific coach, 
but when you're signing, majority of them players as well have no Premier League experience. Yeah. It was always going to be a struggle, and, and especially with Jesse as a player where he needs to be in a team that's dominating the ball to get him on it into those spaces where he works. So, a footballing point of view, I think it wasn't a, a great move. Um, was he told that they were going to be by bringing in 23, 24 new players and still took on? You'd like to think not, but as you say, that the reported finances that were put to him. Because there's got to be something a bit weird because in today's world, when a player of his quality is only signing a one-year contract, exactly. it, that sets the alarm bells ringing a bit for me. I think in this, the makeup of this team, he could have been unbelievable for Newcastle working with their Eddie. And I'm not, and as I've said, I've heard brilliant things about Steve Cooper as a coach as well. But I just think their predicament's completely different. It's like the opposite side of the scale to what, yeah, what we are probably, are we the richest club in the world? Can I say that? Just a bit. Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, we are, but we've, Done our recruitment in a very analytic, sensible manner, whereas like they've done it the opposite, and it shows you the difference. Um, you, c you can have mo easy have money, but you can easy waste it, if you know what I mean. If you go scatter gun approach, and I know they've picked up some like decent results over the last few weeks, but I think personally for his football and career, it, it, it wasn't the right move. But I always say, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but also sometimes when people have that decision and make that, um, you're probably better off without them. Because if the, the, if the number one motivation in their life is the finance, then, because let's get it right, if you're playing in the Premier League now in any way, you're, 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 you're stinking rich, aren't you? You can afford to turn your boiler on in winter. <laughs> Correct, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's... It should, when you're a Premier League player and you have a decision like that, it should all be about the football and what's going to be the best opportunity for you to win trophies and, 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 and enjoy your football and be successful at what you do. So when you're an attacking player like Jesse, you're looking at what, how Eddie's done in the past with attacking players, which he's done fantastic. The size of the club, the, the fans, the adulation he would get off the fans at the Ericum. But ultimately, I, I, you know, that hasn't been the case. And, but it's his loss because we, we'll find someone else who can do that type of role, no doubt. But you talked about results and recruitment in terms of the manager, what they're judged on essentially now, nowadays. From the recruitment side of things, you've mentioned that Newcastle have done pretty well in the last 12 months. Well, I say that's pretty, pretty much an understatement. They've done exceptionally well. What do they need in January? And obviously Newcastle have got one game before Christmas. They've got two games after Christmas, Leicester and Leeds, before the windows open. From someone that's been in the game, do you expect Newcastle to spend a lot because they're going to be probably in the top four or maybe just out the top four of worst case scenario? Or do you think that they might just, again, not do too much? I think their recruitment plans are probably changing week by week because of the position they find themselves in. If they win this last game against Chelsea and go into the uh, the break, I'm calling it the winter break because I don't know what else they call it, <laughs> uh, um, in third place. Now you're looking for a different type of player because you're thinking, I know you're, we're not talking about title, 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 but if you're in third place, the next group of players have to be them ones that can bridge that gap, surely, are they not? Well, I like to think so. And then that goes back to what I said, those type of players are very rarely sold in January. 
and also I keep hearing Eddie say about the togetherness of this group, the personalities, the characters that he wants in this group. And that's, it'll not just be, are you a top player? Oh, you're good enough to come to Newcastle. It's, do you fit in with this group of players? Because you can play with players, you can get a player in who's a, a terrific footballer, but he just disrupts the harmony you've got there. And that can be catastrophic for you. That can take away all the good work that you've done over the previous months. So I think when they're doing their recruitment process, that is just as important as is good enough to get us to the next level where we want to go. Good enough to get in our team now, but take us to the next level. I don't think they have any short-term measures with their signings now. I think they're all looking to the future as well. And then they're thinking, will they fit in with this group? This is a great group of lads. They're fighting for each other, the work ethic on the training ground. I keep hearing is amazing. Everything the head coach and his staff has them to do, they train brilliantly. So I personally don't think there'll be a lot of business done in January. Because I, I just think the type of players that we will be in the market for now, who knows? <laughs> do, do you go and pursue James Madison again? I was going to ask you about that, Lee, because they did obviously make a couple of bids. Mm-hmm. And James Madison, yes, has just been called up for the England squad. I, I do want to touch about the Newcastle side of England in a, in a minute. But do you think that if you put an ex, like say, I think Leicester rumoured one about 55, 60 million, James Madison hasn't signed a new contract. Mm-hmm. If you put that sort of money on the table or close to it, Unless they're really seen now. Well, I don't think they can when you're putting it all into context like that. I mean, I think if even if you went back in with the original offer, 40 to 45 million, I think it was rumoured, wasn't it? And James has gone another six months without signing a new contract. His worth to Leicester in terms of monetary terms is starting to diminish then because he's running down his contract. His, his worth to Leicester in football terms, he'll, he'll never be able to touch it. And, and as a manager, I would imagine Brendan. As a manager, you're selfish, you're not bothered about... Well, you're bothered about the finances because it affects you at the end of the day, but if someone's... if, if, if I can guarantee you now, if, some, if Brendan Rodgers will be saying he stays until the last day of his contract because I want James Madison in my team for the next... if he's got 18 months left for the next 18 months because I'm making Leicester weaker if, when I, if Madison goes, without a doubt. But his... Bosses who've all, you know, they've cut their cloth accordingly massively this season. They've changed their processes hugely because I think COVID, their business where they earn their money was hit massively through the travel industry, wasn't it? So, you know, they haven't, they never bought anything in terms of in the in the summer window. Uh, they brought an, an ex goalkeeper of mine in as number two, Alex Smithies. And I think they brought a centre back in, didn't they, for about 15 million from France. but they still might be in that position where they kind of turn their nose up at 40, 45 million for a player who's just let another six months of his contract go. So, and by the way, he's he's a player I would love to see in the black and white strip, James Madison. He would certainly excite me to, to get in in amongst the group of players we have now, definitely. Bruno Madison and one other. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a serious midfield, but... Speaking of England players, Callum Wilson got the call. It wasn't always going to look likely with his injury record, but what a man to, to keep picking himself up after playing on these setbacks. For me, that, that's the only negative about Callum Wilson, his injury record. Everything else is so positive. His uh, his, his goal-scoring record, scores different types of goals. His mentality, his attitude, his willingness to, to make those runs in behind with the pace he has. 
And unfortunately, when you're dealing with players who have that explosive pace, they're always going to be susceptible to picking up hamstrings and grinds. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I always believed that he would he'd get one of those positions in, in the squad. Um, uh, it, but while it hasn't been announced, you know, there's always that doubt that, you know, the manager who's his opinion is the only one that has might pick some different. But thankfully he was up here for the Villa game and Callum scored two and, and had a real all-round good game. Uh, he, he seems another great character when I've met him. He's a real nice lad, really humble guy. He's, um, but he's thriving. He, I think he loves the, the pressure. He loves the pressure playing at Newcastle. He loves the pressure wearing the number nine jersey. I think he, he wanted that. He probably asked for it. And once he showed people he could score the goals. I think that's it's difficult, you know, when you giving you signing that jersey straight away because that becomes added pressure to them. You know, maybe when it's a striker, give them an opportunity to see how they go first and then give them the pressure of the number nine jersey after that. Unless they're out and out in the, the you know, you're signing someone who's done it for over the last 10 years as well. But So, yeah, I just, uh, it, it's a real buzz to have three Newcastle players involved. It's it, it's it's exciting. You're looking forward to the games now, and you want to have you want to have Newcastle represented in it. You know, so obviously we want England to do well, but we want it even more so now because we could have uh, we could have three players involved in it, and it's a, it's a great it's a great credit to the club. It's a great credit to the lads. Um, you know what an honour that must be when you're sitting waiting and you hear your name being called up to, to represent the country in the World Cup final is just phenomenal. So, good luck to the lads. I hope they do it, but I hope they come back safely. We don't yeah, need to... Uh, just don't get injured. Yeah, it, it, isn't it unbelievable, though? Because it's like... Um, I'm going to tell you something now, and this isn't... I, I'm in no way, shape or form I'm having to go with any of these players, but there'll be a player in that England squad who picks up a slight injury today and it doesn't make it aware to anybody because he doesn't want to miss out on going to that World Cup with an injury. But when once you're there, or you're pushing yourself again, and do you come back to your club injured? It's the cl it's it, it's completely unprecedented because the World Cups are usually when the players are resting and the, the clubs, even if they come back injured, the clubs have got a few weeks to get them back on track. But, you know, World Cup final, December 20? No, three days before December the, the 18th. December the 18th. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, I think so you got Newcastle, you got the World Cup final, and then Newcastle Bournemouth potentially two, two, three days later. So if you think if, so if Brazil it, get to the final, it, you're not going to have Bruno for the World well, Cup. Well, for the League Cup. Brazil, if it was Brazil, England in the final, <laughs> and like you say, and you, you, well, you pointed this out, you could be without Wilson, Pope, Trippier, Bruno, for to go into Bournemouth. Now Bournemouth would be delighted with that, by the way. <laughs> the Spanish team ripped out your four leaders. But then, on the other hand, what I started off when we started this interview was said that we've got good strength and depth, but can you... It's all right having strength and depth, but can you take out four of your main players? So, from the Castle point of view, let's just go out in the group stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just back, the last bit on England before we go back onto Newcastle. Um, were you happy with Gareth Southgate's picks in terms of the ultimate squad, the 26-man squad? Or do you think Dan Byrne, from a Newcastle point of view, should have... Yeah, listen, you know, there's going to be fans up and down the country saying that someone from their club should have been in and this player shouldn't have. I mean, I've seen debates on 
Ivan Tony should have went ahead of Callum Wilson and it's and why is Harry Maguire going and this it's hey listen I can imagine it's especially when a couple of weeks ago he, he had to name a provisional 55-man squad. I mean, I think I might have been in that. Was <laughs> Even now, forced four or five stone over weight. I think I might have got 55 players. Wow. Um, then Whittle is 26. But, uh, you know, there's, there's some really tough calls, isn't there? I mean, you look at it now as well, and you're not just looking at the English. You're like, there was a lot of interest in Brazil, and would Joe Linton get the call up? And then you look at some of the players that, you know, we've got in ahead of him, and then you're thinking, well, it's difficult. It's even though 26 sounds a lot when it's like if, when you're trying to pick a, a national team, it's it's not really a lot. It's because uh, you know there's there's been there's some players who are playing really well at the moment and, and not getting in, like Dan. You know, but I think for me. You know, I wish he could have got it, but once he wasn't in the last group of internationals, uh, I think because a manager would like to see him in that environment. And that's why it was the strange one with Ivan Tony when he called him up, but never played him and give him any minutes. It was like, and, and, and has something happened on the training pitch where he thought maybe he's not at that level yet. Got to give him a bit more time because it just seemed weird that he called him up but didn't give him an opportunity to show. Um, so, listen. Only time will tell, isn't it? If if we if we don't perform very well, I'm I'm of the opinion I don't. I think all European countries are going to struggle because of the conditions. I think the 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 intensity the English games played at, we'll not be able to play that way in those conditions in Qatar. And I know they're trying to say they have an air conditioning round the pit, but you know, you, you think how hot it is in the terrace on sitting in the stands at these stadiums. It's like another ten degrees plus when you're down at the bottom on that pitch, and it's 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 draining now. The England change out to the European countries to the change, and I'm talking about England because our players are used to playing high intensity front foot football because of the way the game's played in this country, and uh, I, I don't think it's possible to play that way in those conditions. I don't think our lads could uh, sustain that for 45 minutes, then giving them a 10, 15 minute break, then going again. I hope I'm proved wrong, but I just I'm, I'm looking at one of the South American countries to handle it better, and, and I think it'll only be down unless we play really, really poorly, and that's a different thing. But I just think that it's going to be difficult because of the, the actual conditions that these these they're going to entail over there, you know. So let's see. I hope I'm proved wrong, and I hope um, you know we're celebrating. Come. You know, just before Christmas, be a nice, nice present of Santa for to get the World Cup winners. But um, now we, it's 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 just weird though. It's just like because you've got your club hat on and you're like, I tell you what, it must be terrible for the managers. Yeah. It must be if you're Eddie Howe and and various other managers now. It must be it must be torture when you're watching the games. If one of your lads goes down or like you say, because there's there's no time to recover when they get back from the, the World Cup. They're straight back into it. The, the Carabao Cup and then the, um, the the Premier League, and it, it's going to come thick and fast after that because obviously they've missed a fair. I, I, I mean, I haven't looked at the fixture list in detail, but I imagine there's mo mo a lot of midweek games for the second half of the season. So it's not even as if there's any time where you can give the players a bit of time to recover and go again. So that could be a factor in the January window. To be honest, that could change things dramatically for certain clubs. 
Um, but then you still have the problem of premiums getting put on the players' heads, possibly even more so now, because I might think clubs are even more desperate because they've lost players to the World Cup. So, lots of things to consider. Probably glad I'm just a fan again and not in management. <laughs> but now, back on to, to, to Newcastle, and the ownership are obviously spending money in all aspects of the club, not just on transfers. They're getting invested properly and being run like a football club for the first time in many a year. With academy infrastructure, do you think some young players now that maybe left just before the takeover might be looking up longingly, even though they got the nod on Wednesday in the League Cup, <laughs> thinking, oh, maybe I should have just hung around a little bit? My answer to that is obviously of personal interest. Um, no, because, and I'll tell you why, um, I'm gutted, because this was an opportunity for... And I don't know, you might be able to tell me how many have done this, but I don't think there's many fathers and sons played for Newcastle. And, you, you know, I no doubt you'll be able to tell me when you send us a text in a few days' time. <laughs> yeah. You'll have all their answers for us. But, so I, I was gutted by that decision. Um, but that was made by him. He obviously is the player and, and he wasn't happy with certain things. And what I'll say to that is, no, there isn't... The green-eyed monster hasn't arisen because... I believe the club was run so poorly before these guys took over that they have so much to get through and I know they've got massive plans for the academy and rightly so and in terms of everything, in terms of the, the facilities, the standard of the coaching, the recruitment process, the pathway for the players. Um, by the time they get down to that level, my boy might have been 19, 20, 21 and if if it had passed them by, it's hard to recover, it's hard, it's hard to get your career back. So that's the answer for me. I, I, as you see, Elliot's the only one at the moment, Elliot Anderson, who's pushing, and rightly so, he's a, he's a terrific young player. But, you know, there isn't many other, because Eddie is having to build from blank canvas, basically. And Dan Ashworth, who I know really well as well from the football fraternity, he's, he's going to do a brilliant job, but as I said, it, there's that much to do to, and ultimately your first team is the main objective, that's what runs the football club. It's, it's no good with them starting at the bottom and getting things done in the academy but the first team aren't picking up results and they're plummeting down the leagues or whatever. So the right thing is to get that right and then they can work themselves down. They've started the process with the women's team, bringing them in under the club umbrella, full time etc. And that's going to reap its rewards which is brilliant. And then it'll be the academy, it'll be the changing of the facilities, it'll be the, the standard of the player. You know, there's been a couple of years where we've, we've gone to clubs and we've took their players that they've released, like uh, an Arsenal player or a Villa player or a Chelsea player, and we've signed them, and we've signed them basically just to fill numbers in a team, just so we've got enough players in a certain team. They haven't been signed because there's a pathway, so they're saying, oh, we see you, we haven't signed... The exact words from uh, Jurgen Klopp to my boy was, we ain't signed you to make our under-18s win the FA Youth Cup. We ain't signed you to make our under-23s, which is back down under-21s now, that to make them win the league. We signed you because we believe you're a Liverpool football club first-team player. And that's what Newcastle have to get back to. So when we signed, when we were completely different, by the way, a completely different era, the youth now, I mean, 
when we were in academy, it, well, it was a centre of excellence. When we were there, it was the best local talent, and then it got to the best national talent as well. Now it's the best world talent because the academies now. You look at some of these Man Cities and Liverpool's. They go and get the best kids from all over the world. So it's even harder for the young boys to come through. But that's what I'm saying in terms of the standard of the player. And now what I'm looking at, the, the, the young boy that we've seen who's gone with Australia. Oh, cool. So he's gone to the World Cup as an 18 year old. We've just seen him. There's a player in our path, in our system now, you can see. And they've signed him to play in the first team, no danger. He isn't signed to make, oh, so we've got an attacking player in the under 21s or whatever. This lad will sign him so we can win the Youth Cup and it looks good with the coup. No. We've signed him because we believe he can be a Castanet first team player. That, in, and to become a Castanet first team player now, the remit is probably can you handle being in Europe? Can you handle being at the top end of the table? And the pressures that come with that. And they see that in this board. And I think that's going to be the difference now in the recruitment. It's going to be completely different. And it's going to, of course, and I've, I've, I've spoken to Eddie about this and other, and other guys at the football club. It should have never got to the stage where a local lad who supports the club and his father's played nearly 300 times for the club has to leave. But that was his decision. He felt that was the right thing to do. And that was because of, of years of neglect, basically. Yeah. You know, that's what's happened. And, and unfortunately, these new owners, well, and Eddie as well, will have to just, on, on certain things, accept that, that because there's that much to deal with for these. And they're doing it, and they're showing they're doing it, but like we talked about, the processes for the recruitment's been sensational. That's what they're doing with the club well as well now. We'd, we'd all love it to happen overnight, every single thing, but it, as I said to you, it, it, it wasn't, your, you made a great point, we feel like a football club, we're being run like a football yeah. club. Football is a completely different, I'm no specialist businessman, but football, I'm telling you now, football is a completely different business than any other business in the world. Fans aren't bothered about spreadsheets. Oh, no, let's get it. You know, do you know, do you know, do you know when, like, when I was playing in, under Sir John Hall and Freddie Shepard, you'd get the odd one who'd accusation, well, we're in debt, we've got this, we've got that. Who's, who's bothered? We've got top players on the pitch. They've, they've went and put debt onto the club because they've went and signed, they were breaking world transfer records, they were signing this player, they were signing that, the best players. Yeah, okay, you want your club to be run, you never want it to be you know, under threat of administration or anything like that. But if you get the product right on the pitch, you, you'll never be like that in any way because the commercial side of the football world now, if you're, if you're competing at the top table, you're earning mega, mega money. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's the way it is. And it's, it's great to see. It's, hey, who, who knows in football when... Uh, when Alan Shearer left to go to Southampton, did he think he was going to come back and be the world record signing back at his club and become the, the, the highest Premier League scorer and the club's record scorer? He probably didn't. He probably thought that chance had gone. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll sign in, Bobby back in a few years. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hey, listen, I still have that dream. Of course, it, it, it would be spe it's special when I'm seeing him at Anfield now playing yeah. for it. But imagine if he came back to St James's Park to wear the black and white shirt, and, and, I've, and I've done it. I mean, just talking about that just gives us goose, goosebumps on the back of my neck. So, you know, it's 
anything's possible, but also kind of get ahead of myself as well, just because things are going so nice for him now, which I keep saying to him, and he's a level-headed boy, there's the other side as well, if he doesn't keep focus, because yeah. football can eat you up, it can be cruelty, it can, it can get you set up and put you on that pedestal, but you can sure come tumbling down off it, so he's just got to keep yourself ready and focused. Yeah, we'll definitely wish him all the best from there, uh, from uh, uh, until he plays Liverpool versus Newcastle. Yeah, of course, of course. That's 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 that goes with the territory. I mean, I cannot obviously say some of the things on air, but he's he's obviously had some great uh, responses when he was warming up at Old Trafford in the Man United Liverpool game. He 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 got some fair abuse, but they were using it as in, in the terms of him being scouse. Yeah. He was like bad. I'm, I'm not. I'm not scouse though. That's Man United local. In a nutshell, just finally, Lee, um, where will Newcastle finish this season, and how good do you think it can get for Newcastle this year? Oh, this year, um, I can It's difficult to see where they can finish. I think. I don't think there's any ceiling. <laughs> They get a bit of luck, which you always need. If you look back on teams that have won things, they get a little bit of luck here and there, as well as being a top team. Um, I, I, you know, I listen to the top guys. Now, Pep Guardiola, I love. I've um, I see what he's achieved at all his different clubs, and I love the way he works. So when when he speaks, I listen. When he says Newcastle United are genuine Premier League contenders. I believe him because he doesn't say things. He's not like main games. He's, he doesn't talk the talk. He can see sometimes he doesn't even want to be in half the press conferences he's in. But when he says something, he says it for real because he doesn't have to say anything really because he knows he's at one of the most powerful clubs in the business. And when he's saying something like that, I think you have to take note. I think we can be. Probably is it a step too far this year? Possibly. But we're in the football world. Look at what Leicester done. You know, we, we can never look at what Blackburn done during our era. It, it can never say it cannot happen because it has happened in our in our lifetime. And I think this club is just going to go from strength to strength. Um, I think if we sit here, and you, you were, I was lucky enough to be invited back by years in five years' time. I think we'll be sitting here talking about adding to the collection of trophies we've won. I think that that can be definitely out. I'm dreaming of that, but I think it's realistic dream. I don't think it's unrealistic. I like the way they've started the process. You know, because if you remember when it first happened and those celebrations outside St James's and the cans were out and all that, and it was, uh, you know, he had the names. And Bapier's on his way, and this one's here, and that one's there. And it was like, whoa, my front three, Harland and Bapier, and what one other. And it was like, what? And, and they've, like, just put like a dose of realism in everybody and, and the club have done brilliant and what they've done is for me they've put top people in top positions Darren Neils, Dan Ashworth obviously Eddie Howe um, and all these people now the structure of the club looks strong it looks like it's ready to go in with the big the big lads again go and match them go and challenge them Hopefully they're not like us and do a 12-point cushion or whatever. And I, I, know, I still, I've got a lump of dust just create gets high and higher every year. Where I was, I do open the space on this mantelpiece ready for me Premier League winners medal, and it never happened. And I'm, I, I'm that 
gutted about it. I never get the chance to clean it off the mantelpiece because <laughs> I don't want to look at it and be reminded. Um, but, nah, listen, I, I, it's easy to go over the top, isn't it? Because I do think the manager and the players have done far more than whatever I thought they could in this short period of time. And what they've probably done, they've raised expectations. And you'd think someone like me, being an ex-player and I've managed, I would be able to temper them, but I'm not. Because, as I said, I've got rid of all those playing and managing feelings. I'm back as a fan and I want, I want to see it. I want to just, it was brilliant. Um, it was funny because when the draw happened uh, for the Carabao Cup, my son Bobby, he texted me like, Man City away. And I was like, who Newcastle got? <laughs> 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 and he's like, oh, Bournemouth, the draw, like, oh, get in. And it's like, right, okay. So, no, I, th- I think we, I was probably one of them that would have said top 10 to top 8 at the start of the season. And if we still finish there, I would still be, that's a massive improvement. But because they've raised our expectations, because of that performance and that um, consistency, Top six, top six, um, and because of the manager's mentality that when we come up against the big, the so-called big six, at the moment because we're going to smash through that again, um, we don't fear any of them. We take them on, home and away. We go and take them on, and that for me, they're frightened, they're worried, they can sense it, and uh, I think yeah, definitely. We, if. Listen, be mind-boggling if we could stay where we are now, and it's not inca- they're not incapable of doing that. Um, so let, let's see, let's see. But I, I'm just so excited um, uh, by the, the, the future of the club. Um, I think the way that's been done from the start has just been sensational. That, you know what? And I think it's even surprised the ownership group, the Stavelys, the Ruben brothers. The Saudi people, how the fans have taken to them the atmosphere. You can see them like emotionally charged on a match day, you know, before the games, and uh, I think they're loving it. They've got the bug, and um, you know, long may that continue because I think, uh, well, the stadium's not big enough, is it? And that was that's always been the case. Um, now, now there's there's a chance. You, and if you could put another 10,000 seats in there somewhere along the line, they'd be snapped up straight away. So it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's a great time. And it's, for me, it's, 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 it's a, like a big, it's like a thank you to the loyalty of the supporters for sticking through the club. Because I'm pretty sure, I'm sure that if that had happened at certain other clubs up and down the country, could have lost a massive percentage of their fan base because it's tough. It's a tough. It's a tough world at the moment in terms of finances. People haven't. Football's not cheap anymore to go and watch, is it? At the highest level, you know. And uh, so when things are tight, people could easily have just threw the towel in with the football club and, and, and used that finance elsewhere, but they didn't. And uh, hopefully, this is them reaping their rewards and, and, and uh, thank you from from the club which I know the people behind the scenes, they, they, they think it's great and I just, you just want it to continue, you know. And I think, it, 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 well, I'm, I'm no thinking about it, I know it will, because as I said here, the people in, in important positions are, are top people and uh, 
the people who are running the club, they understand it as well. So excited. But I, I tell you what, I wouldn't. You know, I'm saying they've done it in a sensible manner. If Mbappe wants to come in January, <laughs> we'll take Mbappe in January. <laughs> so um, when we get to Wembley, you'll be able to sort us out for tickets, yeah. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting that already. It's it's amazing. You know, I've given I gave my season ticket up two years ago, but is there any chance you can get a three ticket three tickets for Saturday? Um, not really. No, there's more chance of me becoming Real Madrid manager than getting your three tickets for the Newcastle game. Yeah, well, Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure talking all things Newcastle in such in a positive manner. It honestly makes such a difference, doesn't it, Sam? As well. Yeah, it's it's exciting times. It makes a a startling contrast from the last time we spoke. Absolutely. No, I'm delighted you could get us on because uh, I wanted to just push that message across because, you know, it's um, it's a different club. It's yeah. a different club and and, and thankfully, um, you know, as I've said, it's the fans are getting what they what they deserve now and uh, hopefully the journey is just, this is just the start of a fantastic journey for us. I hope so. I really do. Sam, where can everyone listen to this podcast? Links are in the description. And thank you very much again to Casa San Lorenzo for having us here today and for their continued to support, continued support of the podcast. Yeah, big, big thanks to everybody involved. The staff been absolutely brilliant uh, since we've uh, got this podcast up and running. So for myself, Sam, and our guest today, Lee Clark, we'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the northeast. Reserve a table today on 0191213 0399 or visit casasanlorenzo.co.uk.